0: Hello and welcome to Positive Vibes from the Valley. I'm your host, Ryan, and I work for the Northwestern Prevention Collaborative as the community liaison and training coordinator. This podcast focuses on SAMHSA's eight dimensions of wellness, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, physical, environmental, financial, occupational, and social. So today we're going to be talking about intellectual wellness. So we brought our Expert in the field, Miss Carrie Campbell, online to talk a little bit more about that with us. Carrie, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ryan.
0: Well, when I was tasked with finding a representative for this dimension, who else could pop into mind except (laughs) my brilliant friend and co worker, Miss Carrie Campbell? Um, So, Carrie, I know you're a librarian currently over at Luray High School um but would you mind to kind of tell our audience a little bit more um, about your biography some things that you've seen done been through and some notable accomplishments and we'll kind of take it from there
1: sure so i'm not brilliant but as any good librarian will tell you we just have access to all the information (laughs) so um maybe finding the the information is what makes it look so easy uh, but I have a bachelor's degree in English and minor in communications from Bridgewater College. I taught English um, for, goodness, about 11 years and then went back to school to Longwood to get my master's in library science. And as you said, I am now the current librarian at Larry High School. I've also um, written for family publications, uh, magazines and now I'm the youth coordinator for PAGE Alliance for Community Action.
0: Yes, you are, and you do a great job doing so, if I may add in there.
1: (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I guess I should say too, I'm a mom of two teenagers and uh, my husband and I have been married for 20 years, so.
0: Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Now, he must have a high level of intellectual wellness to know exactly how to make that work for 20 years, right?
1: I rubbed off on him.
0: <laughs> well, so one of the things that I, I like to do, and we did do this in our first season. Um, so this may be a little bit of a review um, for those of you tuning in again. But I always like to give the textbook definition that SAMHSA provides. Um, and, and I like to get your thoughts and, and kind of get your definition on that. Um, But so SAMHSA defines intellectual wellness um, as involving many things that keep our brains active and our intellect expanding. It's a pretty short, sweet, crisp definition from those guys, which is a shock. How would you define intellectual wellness?
1: So I actually wrote some notes to myself on this um, because. Yeah, that definition is kind of vague. And I'm a collector of words. As I said, I'm I'm an English teacher um, at heart and I love to read and I love to collect words. words. So intellectual wellness is an interesting phrase. What it made me first think of was the idea of a lifelong learner. I have been curious my entire life. And I don't know a lot of things, but I love learning about things. And so to me, intellectual wellness is that pursuance of learning, you know, being a lifelong learner and constantly collecting and curating and and finding new things. An example came to mind last night because we had the opportunity to listen to Sam Quinone speak. And he was talking about neuroscience, which 20 years ago we knew nothing about. And in just the last 20 years, we've learned so much about the brain. And I thought it's such an amazing time to be alive, to have that experience, to learn as the science is coming into fruition.
0: Wow, very well said. Yeah, I definitely agree with you too. It's it's really interesting to see how, you know, the landscape has just changed so much. Um, in the last 20 years and in the past 10, five years even. Um, and I guess my follow-up question for you, especially with a great definition like that would be, you know, I think a lot of people think of uh, physical wellness. Hey, I'll, I'll exercise once a day. Um, I'll eat healthy. How would you say that intellectual wellness plays a role in our everyday lives? Why would you consider it important?
1: Well, I'll tell you how I feel about it. So kind of my my heart's feeling on that. And then what science has shown us about that. Uh, for me, there's this wonderful quote and I tried to find the source and there's some conflicting um, evidence on who, who actually said this first or who said it at all. But there's this quote that I've always lived by and that's that the cure to boredom is curiosity and that there is no cure for curiosity and I just absolutely love that because that's how I've always lived my life. I I don't get bored and even as a kid I never got bored. I got annoying because I always wanted to be doing something and learning and exploring and so sometimes it was hard to contain me. I remember when I was really small um my mom and my aunts, when they didn't know what to do with me, they would give me a needle and thread and buttons. And this sounds like Little House on the Prairie, but this is like the 1980s. Um, And they would just have me sew buttons onto fabric. And that was fascinating for me. And I learned so much and it kept me busy. And so then once I had learned to sew the buttons on, then I could sew fabric together and then I could make things. And I just feel like that's kind of the key to what intellectual wellness is for me like if there's a problem or there's you know this feeling of nothing to do then it's so exciting to go out and and find something there's always something to do and there's always something to learn what science says about that is that the more active we keep our brains just like the more active we keep our bodies the better off we are. We're more, we're well, we're fit minded um, when we exercise our brains. For me, that's reading because that's something that I love to do. I know. So in terms of keeping our our minds healthy, um, I think that intellectual wellness is important because doing things like reading and um, puzzles and um, you know, filling out the daily crossword or Sudoku, those things exercise our brain as a muscle, just like we exercise our bodies. And we know that the more we exercise and just stay active in our bodies, the the healthier we are. And the same thing is true with our minds. So, for me, it's reading because that's something that I love to do. But whatever it might be, just exercising our brains um, and staying intellectually well will you know carry us on into our older years
0: absolutely well and that's a that's a great point there carrie about you know just some of the ways that that intellectual wellness plays such a large role i mean it definitely does give us purpose you know by feeding that curiosity to go out and learn new things tackle new challenges and and just you know that that is what life is is all about um and i guess my question for you um Kind of leading into the the next topic, when we're talking about how important intellectual wellness is, how how do you think we go about fostering uh, a love and an interest in intellectual wellness, specifically among our youth? I know as the youth coordinator, that's a large portion of of your job, and as a librarian, so how, in a day and age when there's a lot of uh, you know kind of quick easy fixes with with social media and our phones and technology. How do we continue to foster that love for intellectual wellness among our youth?
1: That's a really good question. I think that there's multiple parts to the answer um, to this question, because I was thinking when when I read this question about the first time I read Frankenstein, and it has advanced vocabulary. And I remember distinctly sitting on my bed to read it, And I had a physical copy of a dictionary right there beside me because anytime I find a word that I don't know the definition for or I'm unsure about, I look it up. And that's one lesson that I've tried to instill in my students and in my own kids. I can't imagine not knowing the the meaning of a word because then you feel like kind of an outsider looking in. And again, as someone who just loves words and collects words and that type of thing. Maybe that's just a me thing. But in any situation, I think that that can be fitting. You know, if you're you're watching someone do something and it's not something that you're familiar with, you know, the process, it's exciting to learn the process. And I've never not wanted to to be involved or be engaged. If I see you doing something, then I want to learn how to do it as well. So I teach my students, you know, when they're reading, hover over the word. Now it'll define it for you, right? Um, You don't even have to look it up. You just hover over it and the definition is there. But the same is true in life. If you need to know how to do your taxes and no one's going to do them for you, it's a perfect opportunity to learn. Not only do you develop new skills for your resume, but also... It's good for your brain. We should always be learning and we should always be seeking new knowledge. The other thing, the other part to this is learning needs to be fun. The minute learning stops being fun, it becomes work. And so I know not all things are fun, but I think your approach to it can be, you know, how many of these words can you memorize in, you know, 10 seconds or That seems a little extreme, but how many words can you learn in a week or how many words can you, you know, spell correctly in this paragraph or just little things like that. So the same thing is true with maybe, um, you know, completing a project. How many of these can you do in this amount of time? Anything can become a competition and that builds skill and it builds rigor and, again, it makes things less boring and, and more fun. Did that, I don't know, was that okay?
0: That's a perfect answer. And I, I really like the some of the things you said there in the very beginning, especially about how, basically fostering this idea of, hey, you've reached a word and you don't know what it is. So you're gonna take the time now and you're gonna go figure out what it is, right? This is a problem solving strategy that is going to serve you very well in the future. Um, you know, like you said, it's, it definitely applies to multiple situations. And I think it's very important early on, like you pointed out so eloquently to, you know, introduce that idea of, Hey, when you all hit an obstacle, it's okay. You're going to figure out basically how, how to overcome that obstacle, whether it's a word you don't know, whether it's how to change the oil in your vehicle or any process like you mentioned, Hey, you can learn how to do that process. And I also think you, you you know you bring up a great point about making it fun, especially for our youth. You know, nothing screams fun like an hour of a multiplication worksheet, right? Uh, so, right. so so it definitely you know comes on on educators, on mentors, on counselors, on anyone in the area who works with youth to kind of be challenged to find out, hey, how can I help foster this intellectual wellness within them. So it's it's definitely a, a tough challenge, but I'm glad to, to have some people like you out there that we can learn from. So- Oh, well, thank you. Gotta make it a little harder never- for you too. And <laughs> we talked about the youth and, and fostering, you know, some intellectual wellness among those guys. Um, but you know, it trickles down. So it, it certainly trickles down. How do we go about fostering this love of intellectual wellness among adults who are who are stressed, they're overworked, underpaid, underappreciated, the, the whole nine. And I think, obviously, you know, we're, we're all feeling that way. How do we get through to to adults to remind them of the importance of being a lifelong learner, like you pointed out?
1: Well, it can have real financial benefits for sure. Um, you mentioned changing your oil, and that's not something that. I understand the process, but I haven't taken the time to do myself, but boy, wouldn't you save the money if, if you did those types of things yourself, there are things that, that I've learned to do recipes in particular that I've learned, I've taught myself to make and, um, you hit on the idea of, you know, if, if at first you don't succeed, the idea of resiliency, I have taught myself to, to make certain recipes that were okay to begin with, but now I've perfected them and I've also memorized them so that now they're kind of like, you know, grandma quality recipes that you don't have exact measurements. You know, you have a pinch of this and I just know, I know exactly how to do it and what to put in. And I can't necessarily convey that to you, but that's when I feel like you've learned something, when you've mastered it to the point that you can create it. You could model it to someone else, but you don't even have exact measurements for how you do it necessarily. Um, It's kind of like with, with writing. I feel like writing is maybe one of the few things that I've mastered in life, but it's really hard to teach because when you're so good at something that you, you feel like you've become a master and expert in a field, it's hard to, to back up and remember what it was like when you didn't know. But as adults, it's exciting to learn the process. And if we take the time, we can save ourselves a lot of money by learning the process and doing it for ourselves, and I think there's huge reward in that, too. I've always said that I'd love to be able to go back and actually try to learn math, advanced math, like algebra, geometry, as an adult, because I think that I might have the patience for it now that I didn't have as a kid. I haven't done that with math, but I have done it with things like learning, again, a process towards something like learning to paint. I do things like I take um, pieces of furniture that people have cast off. Um, Sometimes people give me things and I I flip them and sometimes I keep them. Sometimes I sell them or sometimes I kind of like raffle them off for for charity um, to give donations to different organizations and things like that. But I am completely self-taught at that process of how to do these things. So one, I can support myself in that way if I need, you know, if I need extra money for something for a rainy day, I can do that. If I don't have money to give to my favorite charity, I get a piece of furniture that nobody wants anymore. And I flip it and it becomes worth, you know, exponentially more, worth more than it did you know, it was worth before, um, and I have this skill that I didn't have before that I can now give to someone else. I can teach someone else this process or this skill, and I think that's pretty cool. So for adults, there are lots of rewards in it, and it really depends on on what you want. But the ultimate gain is you're keeping your mind fresh. And exercising your brain every time you learn something new, you know, those those new uh, synapses are, are firing and those new connections are, are being formed. And that's that's really exciting.
0: Well, Carrie, you had me at saving money, so, you know, <laughs> you <can do> <laughs> no, I, I do really think it's interesting um, to point out wh- one of the things that I've always loved when it comes to uh, lifelong learning, like you pointed out. While, you know, there's several studies and we know obviously that the brain is more, you know, plastic when it's when you're younger, you can still learn new skills. Yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. It can happen, Um, you know, at, at any age. And to me, that's very exciting because something you said a moment ago, it's hard for you to backtrack and break down your writing skill now because it's so advanced. But I'm sure there was a time. When it certainly was not that way and you had to work hard to, to refine it, to get it there. And to me, that's the most exciting part, regardless if you're, you know, a child, if you're an adult or somewhere in between, anytime that we start any new skill or on any new journey, it's really hard. You're fumbling, you're, you're messing up your words, you're, you know, your grammar's not correct, um, but it's only through, you know, years of perfecting it. And then you do get to that point where it's almost hard to remember struggling so much because now you're such an expert. And that's a really exciting thing, you know, that any of our youth or adults can kind of choose, choose a process, choose a path, choose something, um, and they can embark upon that and become an expert in that field, kind of no, no matter what it is, so to speak. Um, so that was really well said, Gary, and I really appreciate your input on that. Thank now, you. you've, you've mentioned this a few times, but I've definitely got to put you on the spot here because, you know, you're you're teaching our youth. You're out there trying to help help our, our members of the community find their own intellectual wellness. And I know you mentioned for you, like reading is a, a big portion of what you do. But What are some other things that that you do to maintain your own intellectual wellness?
1: I used to write and I say it that way because I would be lying if I said that that. I write anymore. I haven't written in quite a while. I think probably the last creative writing that I did was around Christmas time last year during um, quarantine, but writing is at times in my life very therapeutic, and it's like breathing, and I will get these ideas for generally stories sometimes poetry and if I don't get it out I feel like I'm going to explode so last year around Christmas time I wrote a short story and it was just like feverish like the fervor with which I had to write this story and I finally got it down and then I could just let it go and that was good for my mental health that was good for my spiritual health um and it was good for my emotional and intellectual wellness because again i was exercising my brain but then once once it was finished when i finish a writing project i feel like i can check a box and i don't feel the need to share although i do sometimes as much as i just feel accomplished i feel like a weight is lifted and i feel like I finished something, and there's such a that's such a good feeling um to to feel like you've accomplished something and done it well. Um, but in addition to writing, I also really enjoy yoga. I'm not as dedicated to the practice of yoga as I would like to be because we're all busy and life sometimes gets in the way. But when I can take, you know twenty minutes or if it's ever, you know, if there's an hour that's unencumbered and I can do a full um, yoga flow or practice, that is so empowering. Um, There's something about that, that unlike other forms of exercise, my mind just goes to a completely different place. And I am fully, you know, for me, something like cardio, I really have to be mindful of it because I have to push myself and I'm pushing myself as much mentally as I am physically, because it's not something that I'm just naturally inclined to do. But yoga, when I start and I get into that flow, my mind gets into a certain kind of flow too. And I just kind of lose awareness of where I am and and what's bothering me and what, you know, is in the the forefront of my brain, and I kind of just go away a little bit, almost into a meditative state, and that is so good for me, because I tend to be someone who is always thinking, and writers do that. I've, because I like to write, and because I read, whenever I have the chance to talk to an author, I'll say, what does it look like when you write? what is it, what is it like when these characters are inside your head? Because I want to know if, you know, if, if I'm different, if I'm weird. When you have a short story in your head as a writer, it often feels like you have this conversation, this internal dialogue going on between characters. And, you know, sometimes you are, you're in another place because you're listening to these characters have this dialogue that eventually you're going to type down when you, when you have the five seconds of free time to do that. But that's distracting when I'm doing yoga. Those characters aren't there. (laughs) Um, Those characters are, are somewhere else. They're doing yoga too. And so we can all be quiet and to just let your mind be still for a period of time is is amazing and it's such a gift to yourself. And on that note, I have friends who say in in education in the last few years there's really been this focus on, you know, mindfulness and brain breaks and those types of exercises, which is great, but they don't work for everybody. And I have friends who will say I can't meditate. That's just not for me. I can't just be still and I can't be quiet. I couldn't either um, until I threw my back out a couple of summers ago. And I learned it. I learned how to be quiet and still in myself. But it's not easy. But when I'm doing yoga, I can find what that feels like. And I know what that is um, because I can reach that point doing yoga and it really is healing. So I think for adults, for children, and really for whomever, finding the way that you can find stillness is just as important as it, as it is to pursue knowledge and learning. There has to be a balance of that. And for me, writing is one and yoga is the other. It's the yin to the yang, I guess
0: very well said very well said. well this is the last question i have for you before we recap and unfortunately this one's off the script um i just want to yeah i wanted to get get your thought on this um so this concept was actually first introduced to me when i went to james madison university um and it totally kind of changed my whole approach to learning period and that was this idea of a fixed versus a growth mindset Um, And I was hoping before we concluded that we could share that a little bit with our our listeners. Like I said, for me personally, it was a huge deal. Um, Tracy Zinn, a professor at JMU, so she was a psychology professor teaching this statistics course. And she she thought to ask all of us, hey, who in here is not a math person? My hand went up (laughs) and she then went on to basically explain, well, there's that's not true. There is no such thing as not being a math person. Um, and she broke down this fixed versus growth mindset. So Carrie, I was hoping you could maybe expand a little bit more on this fixed versus growth mindset. And what, what the heck is it?
1: Oh goodness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Way to put me on the spot. Okay. I can give an example. Uh, so part of who I am, part of my personality as a teacher and because of my Background with reading and writing is that I do my best teaching through anecdotes, through anecdotal evidence. So, if it's okay, um, I'll build on your example of learning math. And um, although no one has proven that to be true about me, so I don't, I don't know. I'll I'll need to to think about this, but I can give you an example from my own life with um, singing. So my entire life, I have absolutely loved to sing. When I was a little girl, I envisioned myself being on Broadway. Um, My mom did not encourage my development of my singing voice, but I thought maybe I might become a Rockette instead, Uh, just the whole performance type thing. So never made it onto Broadway on stage. However, uh, I have been in some local theater performances Mm
0: -hmm. so a
1: couple of summers ago the opportunity to be in the wizard of oz became um possible and my daughter and i actually auditioned together and i wanted to be glinda the good witch because (laughs) why would i not want to be glinda the good witch if you could emulate anyone she's the epitome of of goodness and light and everything wonderful. So I auditioned, but it was a singing audition. So um, I was nervous, but a fixed mindset would have said, don't even try out for the part because you can't sing. You don't know how to sing. You'll never be a singer, right? but growth mindset. I went into the audition realizing that I had a lot to learn and that if I could just learn to sing, I knew I could nail the Glenda role. So I auditioned, I got the part and that summer I learned to sing um, because just like anyone can learn how to do math, apparently, again, I haven't yet Um, although I have learned geometry in laying floor tile in my bathroom, that is one of the projects I've taught myself to do to save money. So see that loops back around there, but I had a very good teacher and an excellent pianist who was very patient and they taught me to sing the songs that I needed to sing. And so I grew and I think that that's really exciting. And I wasn't a little kid when I did it. I was 40 years old and um, I didn't embarrass myself. You know, there's no better way to test your learning, your knowledge than to have to do a public performance in your community. (laughs) (laughs) Proving that you've at least um, learned, not mastered your skill. But to me, that, would be an example of evidence of a a growth mindset realizing that i could learn and then learning and demonstrating that learning
0: that's fantastic yeah and that that's exactly so exactly the concept that, that i've always felt like when it comes to a fixed versus growth mindset to me a fixed mindset is a closed door you know you've, you've closed the door to the room nothing new can come in and you, you've counted yourself out before you've ever even gotten the chance to start. Oh, Hey, I'll never get that singing part. I can't, it's too late. I can't learn it. I can't figure it out. I'm never going to be able to figure, I've never been that person. Right. Well, you've already ruled out any possibility of even getting the part before you've gotten started. And and to me, that growth mindset is really that open door, you know, Hey, I'm sure you were still nervous. <laughs> I'm sure, but absolutely being open to that idea that, Hey, i can do this i can learn this and when it comes to to the uh math and statistics my argument was hey if if other people can learn this i can learn it which is half true but uh (laughs) so carrie in closing here what are some things what what are some final tips maybe a final message that you would like our audience to take home with them um if they don't remember the other 35 minutes of this podcast. What's the last thing that you want to stick in their heads as they leave today?
1: I think what I would like the takeaway to be is that everyone can learn and it's never too late to start learning and it's never too late to take on a new project or a new concept to learn. We see these um, news stories about, you know, 90 year olds getting their uh, their college degree, you know, or getting their master's or finally retiring at the age of 99 or, you know, what have you, but I think too, it's not so much about, I'm still flubbing it up, Brian. Oh gosh. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Um, Okay. Everyone can learn and it's important to be a lifelong learner. And I want people to remember that the approach to learning is very important towards whether we ultimately achieve that that knowledge that we're seeking, and also if we enjoy the experience of it. But the other thing, the advice that I want to give is: if you ever feel bored and you're not sure what to do, just try to learn something new. There's there's always something that you could learn to make your to make your life easier, or you know, save you some money or to help somebody else. So intellectual wellness benefits you, but it can also benefit other people and it can benefit you in multiple different ways.
0: Well, Carrie, I think that's a great takeaway. And I think if anyone epitomizes that more, I'm not sure who it would be. I mean, as a, as a youth coordinator, as a librarian, I mean, I would just like to say too, I've had the, the privilege and pleasure of working alongside of you now for almost a year and a half. And it's it's just been a really great opportunity to see how you interact with not only your kiddos, but but the, the youth in the county and how much they respect you and listen to you and how you've really taken this dimension of intellectual wellness, expanded on it, become an expert in your field. And then now you're fostering that within other people. To me that- I
1: likewise, Ryan, goodness.
0: Well, that may be the greatest gift of learning that can actually occur. You know, that that full kind of full, full cycle there from from beginner to to intermediate to expert to then giving back to others. I mean, what what a great uh, what a great way to to represent this dimension, Carrie. So I want to say thank you for, for coming on to the show, for taking the time to speak with me today. I know you're very busy, uh, both personally and professionally. So carving out the time to do this with me uh, really meant a lot. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It is my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Ryan.
0: And I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in, who was checking us out on YouTube or uh, wherever they're getting their podcast. I would like to say uh, make sure you guys check out our website, nwprevention.org. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at NWPrevention, or you can type in Northwestern Prevention Collaborative on Facebook. Find us there. Um, Carrie, if you'd like to give a shout out to YPACA, that'd be great.
1: We so I don't have my handles right here in front of me, but we are on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Snapchat, uh, we're on all of your different types of social media. Just look for us, YPACA, Y P A C A Youth Page Alliance for Community Action. Thank you, Ryan.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, thank you, Carrie, and thank you all again for tuning in. and I hope you guys will come back to hear more positive vibes from the valley. I'm your host, Ryan. Thanks, guys.